Thank you, Leah. Our scripture this morning comes from Philemon 1, 1 through 7. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in all my prayers because I hear about all your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Uh, Hello, everybody. Good to see you today. Um, And, you know, as I look out here this morning, I wonder what brought you here this morning? Uh, what was the mix of motivations inside you as you got out of your bed and decided to make your way here? So, I got a question for you. Here it is. What's one thing you were looking forward to at church this morning? And if you say the coffee, at least that's an honest answer. <laughs> or maybe it's the singing or seeing the flowers around the outside of the building. Or because you signed up to be an usher, you got to be here. Um, So what I'd like you to do in just a minute is to uh, huddle into groups of four or, you know, give or take, and share your answer uh, to that question. And just so you know, you don't have to pick uh, the biggest thing or the most spiritual-sounding thing, just one thing that you were looking forward to this morning. And if you'd rather rather not huddle up because of COVID risk, I understand you don't have to. If you're you're really shy, don't worry about it. If if someone says, hey, you want to join us, and if you want to say no, but thank you, you can do that. Um, Now, I'm only going to give you two minutes. So huddle quickly, introduce yourselves, and start sharing starting now.
I hope you had a little fun with that. Um, I'm curious, though, what answers, what answers did you hear? What answers did you give or hear today? What's something you're looking forward to? Music. A good sermon. The people. Church family, yeah. Donuts. You know, that one's more popular than you might imagine. So anyway, uh, it's high, high on the list. But also, you know, I thought for some people it might be the smells. I always look forward to the smell of being here. Or, or getting to drop your toddler off in the nursery for an entire hour. Right? Or a place to wear your new shoes, you know. All right, let's pray. Lord God, you know us. You know our hearts. You know that we are a mix of motivations, including why we came here today or why we're watching online. And so, Lord, with our mix of motivations, both noble and selfish, now that you've got us here, Lord, speak to us, each one of us. Jesus, you are the most amazing person that ever walked this earth, and we ask you to reveal yourself to us this morning. Help us to hear you knocking on the door of our hearts. Today, give us the faith to open that door. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, 100 years ago, uh, when you entered the sanctuary of church, any church on Sunday morning, you were expected to sit quietly and wait in worshipful silence. Uh, if there are any churches that are still like that today, I can tell you that Faith Westwood is not one of them. Instead, I see you greeting one another when you come in and, and leaning over the view, pew to visit with each other. You introduce yourselves to people you don't know. I, I love that. That is who we are. Faith Westwood is a relational church. Today we start a five-Sunday series, as Alan said, called Love My Church, uh, and that's how that reads right there. That's what that means. Love my church. Does, it, does that church emoji look vaguely familiar? It's, a, it's designed to resemble the east entrance of, of Faith Westwood. We want to thank Brenda Bowers for creating that graphic for us. But the graphic is just a symbol. The church we love isn't, of course, the building. The church we love is the people. We love the relationships. We love what this church does, what it believes, what it stands for. Now, some churches we know are super formal. That's okay. That works, uh, but it's not our style. Every congregation, you probably know this from places you've gone, every congregation has its unique style, its unique personality. And, you know, I found out when I came here 11 years ago, it just took me a month or two to figure this out, that Faith Westwood is a medium-sized church in a big city with a small-town feel. Would you say that hits it about right? Between now and mid-September, we're going to dive into Faith Westwood's five values. But for now, here they are. We are relational, practical, generational, missional, and invitational. That's our culture. That's who we are. We want everything we do to, to reflect these five values. Today we start with our relational value. What does that mean? Well, we have an answer for that. 
Uh, will you say it with me? I'll put it up on the screen. We share life with one another in loving, challenging, spirit-led community. Friday morning, uh, I walked past our church library upstairs, and I could see through the window that one of our faith groups was in there. This group has been getting together, I think, perhaps for decades. They call themselves the Sea of Friday group. And so whenever they, 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 they see each other, even during the week, they go, see you Friday. <laughs> uh, I visited this group once. They invited me to come, and I had enjoyed a time with them. And it was easy to see how much they love each other and how much they love being with each other. Um, they, they learn together, but they're not a class. They pray together, but they're more than a prayer meeting. They support each other, but it's more than a support group. They are a loving, challenging, spirit-led community. Groups are the most intentional way that we live out our relational value. And so groups are, we do that as a whole church, but also in a small setting, we are that sharing life with one another in, in loving, challenging, spirit-led community. And you know, this church has always been that way. Uh, when Faith Church and Westwood Heights Church merged in 1970, they met in what was then the Faith Church building, and they kept the Westwood Heights pastor, Harvey Gable. I never knew Harvey, though I did go to college with his daughter, Terry. So we were probably in some places together but had not met. Over the last 11 years, though, you have told me a lot about uh, Harvey. In the 70s and 80s, many of you met him in the afternoon following your first Sunday in worship here. This guy would come cruising up in his motorcycle and ring your doorbell, and, he'd, and you'd invite him in, and he was so personal and engaging. Before you left, you had agreed to sing in the choir or teach Sunday school or serve on a committee right then. As he sped off on his motorcycle, you wondered, how did he get me to say yes to that? That was Harvey. And during his 17 years as pastor here, he did so much to set the culture. And Faith Westwood became a highly relational church. I knew... Uh, Doug Ferguson. Doug was the associate pastor here in the 90s. Doug, I don't know if some of you knew him, but he was so engaging, so much fun. He loved people, and his love for Jesus just rubbed off on everybody he was around. Was there, I think, was there anybody that smiled and laughed more than Doug? Well, not very many. He was a big part of carrying on that relational culture. Did I ever tell you about the Sunday before I started here at Faith Westwood? Trisha and I had just moved uh, to Omaha. We had one Sunday break between our former church and this one. And the church we live closest to is Celebration Covenant, which is the church Doug started after he left Faith Westwood. We had known Doug and Cindy a long time, so we went to their church. And that Sunday... Doug welcomed us and introduced us to his church, and he had his entire congregation pray over us. 
and send us off as we are about to start this new mission at Faith Westwood. We share life together in loving, challenging, spirit-led community. Some years back, um, we instituted a prayer. Some of you don't know this unless you've been on these things, but we instituted a prayer time at church council meetings and staff parish relations meetings where uh, at the end of the meeting, we, we get out of our chairs around the table and we get in a circle together and we go around and everybody has the opportunity to pray. And we, we pray for this church. You know, when I hear people being honest and vulnerable, pouring out their hearts in prayer to God, to me, it is just a sign that the Holy Spirit is moving. I remember the first time that John came to my small group a few years ago. During the prayer, you know, we have a prayer time at the end of, of our group session and, and um, you know, kind of go around the circle and, and pretty much everybody prays, but you don't have to. And uh, anyway, so it, we'd gone around and everybody had prayed and then it was John's turn. And I thought, this is his first time. He might pass today, but he prayed. I think it was his first time to ever pray in front of other people, ever. I mean, to me, it was a Holy Spirit moment. His, his words, you know, were just kind of a bit awkward, but kind of raw and real at the same time. And, and, and to me, that's what made it so beautiful. It was like watching a baby take, you know, their first steps. You know, I just wanted to shout hallelujah. Today's scripture comes from the Apostle Paul's letter to his friend Philemon, uh, who lives in the town of Colossae. Now, at this point, Paul's never been to Colossae. He and Philemon probably met when Paul was in Ephesus, uh, which is a major city about 100 miles west of Colossae. Maybe Philemon had met Paul there when he was on business. And through Paul, Philemon comes to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. A few years later, Paul lands in jail for proclaiming the gospel. Probably in Rome, though it could have been in Ephesus, and there he meets a young man named Onesimus. Onesimus hears the good news and says yes to Jesus, and so Paul takes it on to disciple him in the ways of the Lord, and Onesimus then helps Paul out with whatever kind of things that he might need as he's under house arrest or in jail or whatever's happening. And before long, Paul learns that Onesimus is a runaway slave. Now, Paul doesn't like slavery. He doesn't believe in it. And to me, that's clear if you read the rest of the letter to Philemon. But Paul's also not on a campaign to abolish it in the Roman Empire. That's not what God has called him to do. By the way, you might also want to know that, that slavery in the Roman Empire was different from slavery in U.S. history. For one thing, uh, Roman, sla Roman Empire slavery was not based on race. And in the Roman Empire, slaves had the opportunity to buy their freedom, and some of them did. Now, Paul doesn't want Onesimus to be a hunted man looking over his shoulder, so he sends this runaway slave back to his master who happens to be Philemon. But before he sends him back, 
Paul writes Philemon this letter, giving him every chance to freely receive Onesimus back, no longer as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. The first part of this letter gives us a peek into the friendship between Paul and Philemon, and that's why I picked it for today. So if you would, please open your Bibles with me. Uh, grab a pew Bible in front of you if you don't have one. Uh, the letter to Philemon is, is really short, so there's only one chapter. And we're going to start with verse 1. In the pew Bible, it starts on page 1202. If you're worshiping online, uh, I would encourage you to feel free to pause the video and then go get your Bible and then come back, okay? Now, it, it's, the letter to Philemon starts, as all letters did back then, by naming the senders first and then the recipients. So here we go. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Now, when Paul says he's a prisoner, he's speaking quite literally. He's in jail. He's incarcerated because of his faithfulness to Christ. His protege, Timothy, is with him. And I can imagine them uh, where Paul is dictating this letter and Timothy may be writing it down. Notice that Philemon is not addressed as a benefactor or by his title or position, but simply as Dear friend, dear friend and fellow worker for the cause of Christ. And even though this is a personal letter to Philemon, uh, Paul lists other recipients that he knows are going to be reading this and hopes that they'll also uh, uh, get to hear it. He says, also to, also to Apphia, our sister. Now, from early on, Christian leaders and Bible scholars have figured that Aphia is probably Philemon's wife. So, Philemon, Aphia, and then Paul includes, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. Um, it could be that Archippus is Philemon and Aphia's adult son. Very likely. And maybe he's a teacher or a leader somehow among Jesus' people there. And then finally, Paul adds this. And to the church that meets in your home. You know, there were no dedicated church buildings back then. There wouldn't be for another couple hundred years. When Jesus' people gathered, they met in someone's home. I expect that Philemon probably ran a successful business. He and Apphia had a large house, larger than most people. And they always opened it up for gatherings with the sisters and brothers in Christ. In verse 4, the body of the letter begins with Paul saying how he prays for his friend. He says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. If you uh, were to receive a card in the mail, do people still do that? Write cards in the mail? Okay. And, and it says, I thank God for you. That would be an encouragement, wouldn't it? And that's the kind of encouragement Paul is giving Philemon. And what does Paul thank God for about Philemon? He says, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in, Lo in the Lord Jesus. Right here, we know that Philemon has a relational faith uh, because it shows in his love for people. That's what faith in Jesus is supposed to do, right? 
It's supposed to translate in our love for people. And that's what a relational church does. We put our faith in Jesus, we put our lives in his hands, and then we show it by loving others. And then verse 6 tells us what what specifically Paul is asking God to do for Philemon. He says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. So Paul, Philemon, they're friends. They also share a bond as partners in the gospel. And Paul prays that their partnership will have a deepening impact on Philemon. You know, you and I share that same bond. Uh, the last few years, we, instead of calling ourselves members, we've been calling ourselves partners uh, of the church because we are partners of the gospel. Partners working together, striving for the same thing. And then in verse 7, Paul says to Philemon, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. How has Philemon uh, refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people? Well, it doesn't say. I think probably Paul knows and Philemon knows, but at, at the very least, it means that the hospitality that Philemon and Apphia have shown in opening their home has refreshed many people. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if every, every week when they gathered, they, all, they always had a meal. And some people brought a dish to share, but maybe Philemon and Apphia shared at least half of the meal because they know that there are some people that can't bring much, if anything. And it was the poorest of among them who needed it most. And they refreshed the Lord's people. So we get clues here that this is a very relational church. It's personal. It's caring. It's warm. It's home. Author Greg Gansel says... The Christian story is relational at its core. The Christian story is relational at its core. So how would I describe a relational church? Uh, Let me quickly offer four things. First, a relational church is more about connection than information. Yeah, we need information. Uh, That's why we send out the Faith Connect email every Monday morning so you can know what's coming up. It takes you about a minute to scan through it. You know, look at the things that are relevant to you. You know, I I can give you a message. You could get it online, but you would miss the connection. When I first came to Faith Westwood, I began uh, right away uh, spending the first 15 or 20 minutes of every staff meeting having us all catch up with one another on a personal level. Now, I got a little bit of pushback at first, like, why are we spending all this time doing this? we got so much business to cover. But I also believe that we cannot be an effective team unless we care about each other, and we can't care about each other if we don't know what's going on in each other's lives. Next, a relational church puts people before performance. Now, there are churches that put on a better show than ours, uh, if, you, if that's what you would call it. Uh, their music is more impressive, although today that might be hard to believe. But The message is much more entertaining. 
The, 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 the facilities are state-of-the-art. Light shows, smoke coming up, all of it. And I'm not putting those things down, but those things are not paramount. Yes, we do strive to honor the Lord with excellence, striving for excellence in everything we do, but our priority is people and not a perfectly polished performance. And we know that becoming deep, daring, daily disciples of Jesus isn't about keeping a perfect performance, right? Because we're human. We, we take this one step at a time. It's, it's a journey. It takes a while. And then a, relation, a relational church focuses on friendships more than finances. Now, I'm sure you very likely know, and if you don't, let me tell you, that churches are nonprofit businesses. I spilled the, 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 I spilled the beans, didn't I? Uh, now, of course, there's a lot more to a church than that. I, ha- I hope so. But if you want a church that has a staff and facilities and programs, it takes money. But I hope you never feel that Faith Westwood is focused on finances because money is not our bottom line. Our bottom line is helping people come to know Jesus and walk with him as his disciples. And we believe that the discipling process is best nurtured through friendships. Right? The discipling process is best nurtured in friendships. And then one more thing. A relational church seeks to practice mission with people and not just for them. Now, in a, in a crisis, sometimes you just got to respond to the immediate need. Maybe there's no time to build a relationship. You just got to, and maybe that's what we'll do with, uh, with Haiti. You know, next Sunday is probably going to have our mission offering for the uh, United Methodist Committee on Relief and their work in Haiti. And even though we won't have a real connection, personal connection there, people in UMCOR do, and we can work through them. But we've learned that people in need always have something to share. Am I right? People in need always have something to share, even if they don't know it. And part of our job is to help them see that they have something important and valuable to share, to bring it out in them. So if we want to practice being in mission with people, and not just for them, it means we have to take time to get to know the whole person and not just their need. That's what it boils down to, doesn't it? We have to take time to get to know the whole person and not just their need. So I'm wondering, what does our relational value mean to you? How does it bless you? How does it stretch you? What do you love about being a relational church? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you stepped down from heaven and you came to us in person because you are so relational. And today you are building 
your relational church, and we are so thankful to be a part of it. Lord, we pray for our small groups. Bless our children and their small groups in Sunday school. Bless our students and their small groups at midweek. Bless our adult groups and all those small groups and all who participate in them. Lord, help them to thrive, to thrive relationally. Let there be joy and laughter. Let there be deep, heartfelt prayer. Let there be healing for our souls. Oh, Lord, let us be a faith family. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand.